honor God's word. Verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as figs as, fig, as a fig tree drops it, its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. And so we know now as we, you can sit, be seated, as we approach this last section of chapter six that we I've seen so much and and you can go back and listen to the previous teachings we know there's a divine blessing tied with the book of revelation we we see that in chapter one verse three um we know that there's a divine outline given for the book of revelation we see that in chapter one verse 19 uh we know we're in the third part of that outline now remember i told you that the chapter two and three which is the church age, takes up about a space of 2,000 years. We're actually still living in that church age. So if you want to know where are we now, Pastor Kevin, we're in chapter 3 as far as us physically living upon the earth. But when chapter 4 begins, things shift. Remember, we see the picture of the church being raptured as John is caught up into heaven. We see that in tight. Uh, in heaven he is uh, given the heavenly scene I call it our heavenly orientation and then um, we see uh, what I call the inauguration service of the Lord Jesus Christ of king of, as king of kings and lord of lords in chapter 5 as um, a proclamation or a, a angel with a loud voice said to all of the universe or anywhere where there's any creation that you could imagine heaven, earth, beneath the earth and anywhere uh, who is able and worthy to take the scroll out of him who sits on the throne and open it and there was no one found worthy we remember that only Jesus Christ is worthy he is the only one worthy because he is the only one who came and lived amongst us and fulfilled the law having never sinned and then laid down his life to pay for sin of everybody else and then has been resurrected and is seated at the right hand of the father he alone is worthy and was able to do that and so Jesus uh, took the scroll and there was a worship service broke out in heaven now remember chapter 6 verse 1 Jesus begins to open it says the lamb began to open the first seal and as he opened that seal we see the rider of the right horse the coming world leader or the imposter or the man of sin the man of perdition antichrist or the fulfillment of antichrist because as the bible teaches us that the spirit of antichrist has been in the world and many antichrists have come before uh, in our modern time hitler would be uh, an example remember all antichrists uh, they want to be held up as deity and be worshiped and they hate the nation of israel they hate the people of God, even in the church, and they blaspheme God. And so we've seen that uh, throughout history. Herod, Pharaoh, um, on and on and on. Many of the world leaders, of course. And so this rider goes forth to conquer 
uh, and, and to take control of the global system that has come to be at that point, which is in the process of being created even now as we speak, okay? So we know all of that. But then, then we see the other three because there are four horsemen, remember that. And when they are leashed, we see all of these things begin to take place. Peace taken away from the earth, violence and, de- and war. Um, then we see uh, famine and oppression uh, and, and death. And then we see, um, uh, after all of that, we see literally death in Hades and the, uh, the rider of the pale horse come forth and a fourth of the earth dies in that process. And we estimated easily more than 2 billion people die during that time. So more than 2 billion dead uh, in just the beginning of the tribulation period. Remember all of that. And then there's a pause in, 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 in all of that in heaven at least as we our attention in the fifth seal went back to heaven heaven where the when jesus opens the fifth seal there's a memorial service in heaven a memorial service for all of those who have lost their life for their faith in jesus christ and it was beautiful to be able to see that and they were if you will they were kind of recognized by the lord they were clothed in white robes and they were told to rest a little while longer until their number would be completed in chapter 7 we see that number grow to this great number of people who are killed during the tribulation period for their faith because during the tribulation period the majority of believers will be killed for their faith by the world system that is coming. And so we see all of that begin to shape up and we'll see it unfold as we continue to go through the book of Revelation. Now we get to the sixth seal here at the end of the chapter and God is gonna speak to us. So let me pray and then we'll dive in. Father, we do thank you this morning for what you've given us. I pray even now as we've kind of settled down, Lord, I pray that you would uh, move mightily uh, and and bring uh, a true settling, Lord, that you would remove all of the distractions from our hearts and our minds, you know, the cares of this life, the worries, the doubts, the things that we struggle with internally, um, as well as the distractions from the room, wherever we are, the neighbor's lawnmower is cranking, or the dog is barking, uh, outside, whatever it may be that's going on. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give your people the ability to focus and hear what you have to say now in the name of Jesus we pray and thank you amen amen and so as we dive in now and we see this sixth seal being open we now turn our attention back to the earth you know there's there was a pause in heaven the martyrs were recognized but once that recognition was over once the Lord has to pause and and speak with and comfort those who gave their life and go listen last week for their faith in Jesus and they didn't turn from him all the way to the death when his attention now turns back to earth we see an intensifying uh, wave of things begin to unfold on the earth and listen I can put this this is this 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 thing that's happening now I can put it into kind of a uh, two categories we see seven judgments upon the earth as we go through this we'll see them the first one is the earthquake the second one is the sun turning black 
The third is the moon becoming like blood. The fourth are the stars that are falling from heaven. The fifth is the sky being receded or rolling up like a scroll. The sixth is every mountain is being impacted. And seven is that the islands themselves are being impacted. So I see like seven judgments upon the earth that are happening. But even more importantly, as these judgments are unfolding, I could also say that these are seven signs, I believe, to the Jewish nation. And why do I say that? And we'll get into this more as we go through this. But I can say that because it's very clear to me as I read Scripture, and even Paul says it in the book of 1 Corinthians. You can go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not on the screen. But what he says there is that it's the, the Greeks or the Gentiles that seek after wisdom. But the Jews seek after a sign. And we see that in Scripture. When the Jews approached Jesus and, and they were seeing, they were seeing things that were going on and they went to him, the Pharisees, and they say, teacher, show us a sign so we can believe on you. And Jesus says, no sign shall you get except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus says, you want a sign? My death and resurrection is the only sign you're going to get from me because I've given you all the other ones and you fail to look at them. Remember the signs that they should have seen. Uh, as all the Old Testament prophets says that, that the eyes of the, the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf would be opened, the lame would leap like deer, um, uh, and all of those things would take place when you come. The dead would be raised. Jesus fulfilled all of these things, and a leper was healed. And all of these things were put forth so that the nation of Israel could see who he was and if they missed that well he did ride into Jerusalem on the day Daniel said Messiah would show up and he came on a donkey as uh, Zechariah I believe said that he would come all the prophets being fulfilled all the signs were there for there to be able to see and recognize him as Messiah but they missed those signs and so we understand that so now God is going to give them signs as he created Genesis chapter 1 the, the moon and the, and the stars and the, and the sun for signs and for seasons not just for seasons but also for signs and we believe through the millennia that they've uh, in the ancient times that they look to the constellations and to these things for signs and what they meant and so as we see this unfold these are signs that the Old Testament prophets I'm going to share with you in a minute that Isaiah and Joel and many of these guys gave these exact signs that we're looking at in this section to the nation that they would know that the day of the Lord was at hand and Messiah was about to show up again. You know, for the, for, and this is the beautiful part of this and that's what is being fulfilled even here. And it, for the Jews, it's a sign for them to come to understanding. You can ask a Jewish Messiah today when they see certain things in the sky, you know, like a lunar eclipse, for instance, they said it's a bad omen. Something bad is about to take place upon the earth. <laughs> you know, that's the way they look at things. We Gentiles, we want wisdom. We want to explain it in a scientific way. If you show us something, then we want to look to the scientists and the astrologers and say, what is causing this to happen? And, and so we have sometimes a, a naturalistic view of what's going on. The problem with looking at things that way is that that type of view can often uh, lead to uh, atheism. 
Listen, naturalism is basically a belief structure that says that all things came about and can be explained through natural processes. So then the naturalism view leads to atheism. We have to be careful with that. That's why sometimes people can be so smart they can think their way right out of salvation. Salvation is about faith and a God who revealed himself to us in many different ways. And as Paul says in the book of Romans, he's even revealed himself to us in the very creation that we see. Um, I walk out of my house last week and the birds were, they were so loud one morning. I was up early. It was, oh, it was Monday morning. I can't go into all of it. Monday morning, I was woken up by a dream. I don't usually get into all that stuff, so I won't tell you what it was. And, um, and so I was up praying and reading and then I could hear the birds in the house. I walked out the front porch. It was still dark, and they were singing in symphony. I mean, it was like crazy. I'm like, man, we've been locked down so long. They out here, you know, putting on a show. Um, you know God is alive, you know? And so he has revealed himself to us in so many different ways. And here in this section, God is revealing himself even again to the Jewish nation. And that is part of the reason why I believe in chapter 7, when we get there next week, we see so many Jews have come to faith. Revival, even in the tribulation period, as many who refuse to believe now will believe then. Let's look at it. Let's dive in because I'll, I'll, I can do warm up for an hour. But we, um, I got to practice being a little shorter. Notice it says in verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal. You know, I love behold. I love Bible language. I don't like worded down versions because I like this stuff like behold. Uh, behold is like, man, when I look, oh my goodness, you got to, let me tell you what I saw. And notice what he says. There was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood. And so verse 12, he says, behold, and this thing begins to unfold on the earth that is amazing. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the Greek here as we, as we dive into it. He says here that a great earthquake. I love in the Greek, great is megas, and it, it, it's often translated exceedingly great. In the Gospels, we read exceedingly great. Um, it, it means exceedingly great, whether in number, in quantity, in size, or in rank. This is a distinct thing that's happening, and it's exceedingly great. It's, and an earthquake is the Greek word seismos, which means a shaking, a commotion, a tempest. So there's a great shaking going on in the earth right now as this seal is being opened. Everything is being shook to the core on earth at this time. It's a time when earth changes like we have never seen. And thank God we won't see because we'll be in heaven when this takes place if you believe in the Lord Jesus. But it's a great shaking on the earth that grabs the attention of every living soul that's on the planet at that time. It is a major earthquake, a massive earthquake. Now, I want to tell you this too because I believe that this particular earthquake is, is interesting and distinct. But there are three earthquakes in the book of Revelation. And some scholars believe that the three earthquakes are actually the same, but I don't. I believe that it's written in succession I, the way I see the book unfold. So there are three distinct earthquakes. There's this one in this chapter, which I believe is a global earthquake. And I'll come back to that. Then we're going to see another earthquake in Revelation 11, verse 13 on your screen. And that one is a little bit more of a local earthquake. Notice it says in the same hour, this is in chapter 11. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, 
and the rest were afraid and gave glory to God in heaven. I like that. The city being spoken of is Jerusalem. A tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people are killed. This is after the two witnesses were killed and resurrected. And it's like God is shaking them up again, causing all, especially the Jews, to look to him and realize God is doing something. In uh, chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, we see a next earthquake. Notice it says, and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since man were on men were on the earth excuse me now the great city that means that that one's going to be even worse now the great city was divided in three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great babylon was remembered before god to give her the cup of the wine of the fornication of his wrath and so these earthquakes are unfolding as signs upon the earth during the tribulation period which is a period of only seven years remember that and and before i continue to move on just a little application for this this is not to overwhelm us but it's to cause us to be thankful that jesus not only died and rose again but he spoke to us concerning these things that we would be ready and we would be turning to him so that when times come, remember, Jesus says, pray that you'll be able to escape these things. Jesus promised the church of Philadelphia, because you have kept my word, you have not denied my name. I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those that live upon the earth. Well, we will not be earth dwellers. We'll be uh, star dwellers. We'll be in heaven at that time. And so it's to cause us to be thankful for that. It's also to cause you as we go through this tribulation period and you're seeing what happens on the earth in the text that we're reading, it should give you a burden for those whom you love. I forget there are people here now. It should give you more of a burden for those whom you love, you work with, your customers, your coworkers, the people that you see and teach, and, and even people that, that you just see they're not walking with the Lord, even profess to be Christians but not walking with the Lord. We should have more of a burden for all of that as we know what's going to happen. And we know one day these things are coming on the earth. And we, wanna, we want them like us to escape these things. Now, this particular earthquake back in chapter 6, because of the things that will follow, this seems to be a global earthquake. Now, if you have been following me on the biblical perspective, I think you can go back to part 2. And there's a link in the at the bottom of the signs and one of them is a video of the earthquakes and how they've been unfolding over the last 100 years and then there are other videos you can find of the last 20 years and the last 10 years and it's intensifying but it's intensifying in such a way if you look at the markers that pop up as that thing unfolds it's clear that you can see the ring of fire and it, as I look at it it's like the earth is pulsating and the earth is grumbling and rumbling as the bible says in romans 8 that the earth groans uh, it's birthing pains are to happen the earth is having birth pains because it's going to begin to give birth to a transformation if you will just a overall tribulation period where the whole earth in itself is going to be impacted so this won't be an isolated earthquake that happens in a particular place like a magnitude seven happening on the andreas fault in uh, california no this earthquake will trigger earthquakes that will quake around the world i believe simultaneously that's the only way we can explain what begins to happen later with the mountains and the and the uh uh, islands being moved in the way that there are as well as the things that are about to happen in, the, in a minute as i continue Literally, there will be earthquakes 
that will happen simultaneously as the earth, I believe, will quake. So it will live up to the term earthquake because now when there's an earthquake, it's isolated and it can be tracked and we can measure it. This earthquake will be global and the planet will feel it. Everything will begin to shift. This is what is coming upon the earth during that time. Remember I told you weeks ago in Luke's gospel, he says that men's hearts will be failing them. I'm going to tell you that verse every week. You go look at it, Luke chapter 21. Let me just remind you. He says, and there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars and the earth, distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. So the other thing I want you to know and understand is that men will be, people will be having literal heart attacks during the tribulation period because it is so fearful, the things that are coming upon the earth during that time. <clears throat> Jesus says, if he didn't return, no flesh would survive the tribulation period because of the co cosmic things that are going on, the cosmic disturbances, as well as the persecution of the world system that will be in place. Jesus says, no flesh would make it through. <clears throat> Look at the second part of this. I'll do them together. He says here, y'all doing okay? All right. He says, I know this is tough stuff, but a great earthquake. And he says, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. Now, remember, when we try to take the naturalism view which leads to atheism a lot of times <clears throat> it's easy for us to say well pastor kevin this has to be some type of an eclipse you know and you know you can you can think through this you can get a piece of paper and a pen and draw it out and i can't see an eclipse happening here because there are two things unfolding at one time if you look at it the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood at the same time this is what is being seen upon the earth now okay well pastor kevin it has to be a lunar eclipse and yes in a lunar eclipse you know you can look it up we can have the blood moon when that lunar eclipse happens at the right time and at certain places in the world but not the whole world only in particular places can you actually view a blood moon <clears throat> and a blood moon is when you have the earth between the sun and the moon so that when the light uh, from the sun hits the earth and passes through uh, and, and that's where we get the red sunset and the red uh, sunrise y'all seen that right and it passes through the atmosphere at a certain way and then those lights hit the moon and that redness is what shines on the moon and there you have a blood moon which you can only see at certain points in the world and if you can see it then that means that the sun is on the other side of the earth so you can't see it so there's a problem with the blood moon, with this being just a lunar eclipse. And it can't be a solar eclipse because on a solar eclipse, the moon is between the earth and the sun. And what happens is the moon moves in the, in the, in the, in the way of the sun and blocks it out. And so we could explain all that with that, but when you see an eclipse, you have to be in a particular location to see an eclipse, and this can't be an eclipse. This is something that the globe is experiencing, and everybody's seeing it. And so even if there's an isolated uh, earthquake which causes a volcanic eruption in one region of the world, um, and, and the dust that goes up from that blots out the sun, it's not going to cause the whole world to see the same thing. Now, could this be the result of the earthquake? It could. But whatever it is, it's global and everybody is viewing it. 
and everybody's freaking out. Here's what the Bible told us in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10 on the screen. I hope you all are taking notes because I, I, I need you to dig in. Calvary Chapel Clayton, we need to be sharp. We need to be that type of disciple that we're ready to talk about these things wherever we are. Isaiah 13, 10 says, for the stars, and this, this, is, this is written years ago, thousands of years ago. Isaiah said, the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened and it's going forth. The moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible and I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. I want to come back and spend some time on that. And, I, and I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit. But Isaiah is, and, and all the prophets were speaking of these type of things to come years ago. But really quick, while it's on the screen, let me just show you one thing, and I'll come back to it in a, in a future chapter. Notice he says, I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold. Do you notice that? Y'all notice that? And a man more than a golden wedge of Ophir. I will come back to that in, in chapters to come. Why will a man be more rare? You got to think about it. This is a time when the population of the earth is at its greatest ever in the history of the earth. How can a man become rare at that time? Is it because billions are dying? Well, no, there's still billions left. What's going on that that statement can be made? Well, I'm just going to say this and just to tickle your ear a little bit and I'll come back in future chapters. It could be, listen, that as the global system unfolds, and men begin to have to take part in that global system, as I've told you before, that this mark and image of the beast is going to be necessary in order for people to be able to participate in the global system that will be established from an economic standpoint. You can't buy or sell unless you have that. But then at the same time, you can no longer get saved, chapter 13, once you get that mark. It could be that that mark, listen to me, based upon the technological advancements of humanity, that that mark has a biological component with we, uh, you know, right now they're doing so much research, research about DNA enhancement. Because everybody wants to live longer. Everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants some type of enhancement. They fed our brain with all the superhero, everybody got a superpower kind of stuff for so long now. Um, they've created and actually patent um, technology in chip form that can be inserted that's actually going to interface with your uh, uh, brain uh, receptors and neurons that, and they're trying to study how those work and how to manipulate thought and different things and how to, uh, you know, biologically interface all of that stuff together. And it is very well possible that there is something that will literally uh, alter your ability to even function as a human when you take that mark or maybe even alter your humanity altogether which is why you can't get saved even if you hear the gospel according to chapter 13 and so I'll come back to that when we get there I just wanted to get you ready I know some of you are excited about it um, so these things are going to begin to unfold listen to me y'all stay with me for a moment okay I want you to take note of what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 earthquakes sun being dark and moon becoming like blood well Peter quoted a prophecy in the book of Acts 
And let's read it. And so on your screen, Acts chapter 2, verse 16 through 21. Now remember, this is when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, 120 people. And, they begin, and, 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 and he, he uh, fell upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues, and they drew a large crowd. We don't know how large, but we know 3,000 got saved. So thousands of people, uh, at least 3,000, probably five, ten thousand 10,000 people are drawn to this scene. And they say they and they heard them speak in tongues, but they heard them in their own native dialect, speaking the wonderful works of God. And so some in the crowd says they must be drunk. Peter stands up, now filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's able to stand up and say to them, These are not drunk as you suppose. But in verse 16 of Acts chapter 2, he goes on to say, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Listen to me, y'all. That, in, that it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and on my, uh, on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I will show, notice this, wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Thus, as he goes on to say, verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved now I was reading that this week now listen to me don't go to the refrigerator to get some juice right now sit down and listen okay when we think about prophecy as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights it's interesting how prophecy unfolds in 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 these uh, layers if you will we call them a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment and so we can see things fulfilled over and over and over so I believe, according to Acts chapter 2, that Peter was speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit when he said this. They're not drunk, but this is that which Joel spoke about. And he quotes this, and I've always read this, and I say, man, this is amazing, but trying to tie it all into that one event, I have to be honest, has been a little difficult for me through the years. But now, looking at the book of Revelation again, what I can see is that what Peter is actually saying is this is the fulfillment, listen to me, but it was just the beginning of the fulfillment. That's what's going on. He poured his spirit out, and for the last 2,000 years, the church has been prophesying. But I think what's happening is in the last days, it's going to get kicked up a notch. I think Pentecost was just the beginning of the amazing things that we've seen through all the great awakenings and moves of the Holy Spirit throughout time. But man, I think one is coming. And I think our young people are going to get caught afire by the Holy Spirit. I pray that they start seeing visions and they start prophesying. I pray that they begin to speak because their generation is the most difficult generation that has ever lived upon the earth, but the generation that needs to hear the gospel more than ever. I think church needs to change. I, need, I think some of us old people need to say, you know what? It's time for us to just pour into and support what y'all are going to do because the world needs them to get busy because the people of the world need to hear the gospel because this thing unfolds. You notice he says, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. 
And I think about even now, there's, there's, the church is changing. And people are hearing from God and people are being spoken to by the Lord. And it's, it's not something that's only happening. It's not just the pastors who are hearing from the Lord. It's never been that way, but it's never supposed to have been that way. But lazy Christians make it that way because they don't want to get it alone with the Lord and spend time with him. They want to have the pastor do it uh, so they can come and hear from him. But they won't leave him alone blowing up his phone. But they expect him to have a word when they show up at church. That was a... I was I, I don't know what happened sorry <laughs> now God wants to speak to everyone and he and listen that's what's going to begin to happen in the world he says and I will show wonders in the heaven and signs on the earth beneath blood fire vapor smoke uh, it, this is what's going to really be ultimately fulfilled in those final times the sun turned dark, verse 20, as we just saw happen in the book of Revelation as well. The moon and the blood. Notice he says, Joel was very clear before, meaning immediately before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is when Jesus returns. However, it begins, I believe, with him taking the scroll out of his father's hand and beginning to unleash this judgment. The tribulation period is seven years long. All of this takes place to usher in and to be a sign to the Jews that, uh-oh, we're seeing Joel happen. That's what Joel said. All the rabbis are going to be freaking out because that's a bad omen. Let's get the scrolls out. Uh-oh. This is what Joel had said to us. The Messiah is about to come. And this is exactly what's going to happen. And then notice this, though. Look at verse 21, everyone, and Joel on the screen. Look at it. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, listen. Here's the thing. We're living in a time where everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And even in the tribulation period, as they realize this and they call upon him, they can be saved. But the Bible is very clear at the same time. Those who take this mark can't be saved. And this is why as we go through this, the application for you, Christian, who's watching is that you must know this material. You must not expect your pastor to explain this material for you any longer. You need to know it. It must be written in your heart. You must be able to explain it. You must be able to sit people down and take them through the word. You must be able to, uh, uh, if you will, uh, warn them of what's coming and labor in prayer in the spirit in your own time for their souls that their hearts would be open to these truths. It's time to be busy and to be about our father's business. And so now let's go back to our text back in Revelation chapter 6 notice as we continue verse 13 now and uh, I'm sorry y'all I'm taking so long but I'm gonna finish this chapter so y'all might as well um, just give me a few minutes notice the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind that is um, such a beautiful verse because those of you who have ever messed with or been around uh, fruit trees um, you know uh, that there's a poetic picture here too. My wife and I, we were somewhere the other day and, and she looked over, she said, hey, are those peach trees? And I looked, I was like, yeah, I don't know where we were, but it was peach trees, but they weren't mature peach trees they had the little fuzzy peaches on them. Um, but what happens if you've been around fruit trees as we were growing up, we know that when the fruit is ripe, um, it doesn't take much. You, you just breathe on the tree and something's going to fall <laughs> at that point because everything is ripe. And, and the way God designed it, the fruit is ripe. The stem connecting them has begun to kind of, you know, um, lose its strength. 
and just a tad, we would take a, a two by four and prop it against the limb and just shake it a little bit, and then stuff would fall. We would pick that and put it in baskets in our peach orchard. Um, and so he speaks of the, it speaks of the things, everything is right now. It's late in the season. It's the end time, and something's happening. Now notice what he says in verse 13. The stars of heaven fell. Now, the Greek word is, is astar, and it means, of, um, it means anything in the cosmos at all. It's where we get our asteroid uh, uh, word and, and thought process from. Uh, things begin to fall. And the interesting thing about this is that if you begin to think about a lot of these falling, we can't picture what that would be like, but it would be very horrifying for the people that live on the earth. And uh, remember, if you remember in 2013, February 25th, in Russia... Um, February 15th, excuse me, uh, 2013 in Russia, there was an asteroid, a meteorite that came into our atmosphere. And it wasn't a big one. It actually exploded on the way down. Um, and if, and how many of y'all remember seeing that on, on, on TV and the news? I remember that. When I saw it, I was like, whoa, we're living in the last days. It says here that uh, in many news, it was record, recorded all over the world. If you were uh, paying attention that day, most of you just don't remember, you saw it on the news. The blast was stronger than a nuclear explosion. It triggered um, detections from monitoring stations um, as far away as Antarctica. Um, the shock wave it generated shattered glass and injured 1,200 people. Um, many people went to the hospital and a few died. Um, uh, some government officials in Russia thought that the United States was testing some type of nuclear weapon, <laughs> you know, but it literally shook Russia that day that it actually happened, and that was a very small object that entered our uh, solar system. You can do research. One in 1908 happened as well, and a lot of people died from that one. So imagine if a bunch of these were beginning to happen all at once around the world. If meteorites were coming in like figs falling from a tree, entering our atmosphere, uh, people would be freaking out. The sonic booms would be heard all over the planet. Uh, there would be uh, trembling and shaking from that alone. Not only is the earth quaking, you got un incoming traffic happening on the world. And remember what Luke said, men's hearts are failing them because they're seeing all of these things. Even right now, many of you may know or may not know, NASA has a whole plan in place to be able to defend our planet against incoming objects. In fact, um, there's one coming in 2022 that they're, they're thinking about using as a test run. Their plan is to send something into outer space, launch something, and they're going to do either one or two things. They, they, if they can nudge it where it gets off course just a little bit, then it'll spin out into space, and they are thinking about using nukes to possibly do that. A lot of people are freaking out of one called uh, Apophis, which is supposed to come near us. It's supposed to enter, um, it's supposed to come between the moon and the earth in 2029 and then again in 2036. And everybody's saying that it will not um, impact the earth. Um, but they're watching that very closely as well because they think that's a good opportunity for them to learn how to do these things. But the one that happened in, in uh, 2013, nobody really saw that coming just out of nowhere. Nobody detected it. Why doesn't it happen more often? Because now he who is restraining will do so. We're on the earth. God is protecting. But in the last days, there's going to be a loosening of all of that protection. And this is what the people of the earth are going to begin to experience. Our world is changing. 
the Pentagon had the nerve in the middle of a pandemic to announce that they had footage of an unidentified flying object. I'm like, really? All of a sudden now you want to start releasing this kind of foolishness? And, you know, and, and, you know the stuff that we've been talking about and everybody's been telling us that we're crazy um, are things that are beginning to unfold uh, even before us now. Let's continue because I'm running out of time and I don't want to keep y'all here all day. So you got, you got objects entering the Earth's atmosphere. Remember, y'all, we're not going to be here if we are born again now. So therefore, the application is for you to understand how bad it's going to be so that you understand how important it is for you to plead with people for their soul. Verse 14, then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of its place. Now, that sounds like a verse that's crazy. We got to find some figurative way to explain this and many have tried I take that very literally. And let me tell you why I take it literally. Because Job said this in Job chapter 26, verse 7. He says, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. That's what the Bible says. God hung the earth on nothing and he stretched out the north. Isaiah 40, 22 says this. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth by the way. Now look. You know people used to think the earth was flat. The brightest minds used to think the earth was flat. Today, the brightest minds that really know they can't explain evolution say, well, some intelligent um, being from another planet must have seeded life on the earth. Now they got to release footage of it because this is their God. This is what they're going to believe in once we're gone. Anyway, let me stay focused. So Isaiah had already said the earth is round. Do we understand this? Okay, so what, what we as Christians need to begin to understand is, wait a minute, the Bible's been true the whole time. And that's why the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible has never lied to us about anything. Okay, so he, let me get back to this. Okay, so it, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers notice who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent wait a minute the heavens the expanse the firmament um, so we know there are three of them there's the blue sky that we can see right outside um, then there's the outer space which we believe is the second heaven the blue sky being the first the space being the second then the third heaven which we can't discern for whatever reason we can't uh, discern that many dimensions um, is it far away or is it just we can't discern it we don't know but the Bible says that God stretched it out like a curtain like a tent like he literally stretched it out that's what the Bible is saying Isaiah 44 24 says this thus says the Lord your Redeemer and he who formed you from the womb I am the Lord who makes all things notice who stretches out the heavens above who spreads abroad the earth all of these things uh, even Zechariah 12 21 says the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him and on and on and on the Bible tells us in Isaiah not on the screen 64 1 that the, 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 the heavens can be torn Psalm says it can be worn out Hebrews says it can be shaken. Peter says it can be burnt up. So the Bible speaks of the heavens in a way that we don't understand them. Yet now physicists are realizing 
that there is a fabric of space, time, and that what we thought was empty space is actually not empty space at all. And that even gravity is a bending of the fabric of space-time where it's different and more advanced than what we ever thought. And I don't want to make this a science class because we're running out of time. And so therefore, when I read the verse where it says the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, I actually think that John saw the sky receding like a scroll when it's rolled up. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. And y'all stay with me. Don't be falling asleep. That's why I don't be up late on Saturday nights. Listen to what it says. And every mountain and island were moved out of its place. Oh, my Lord. Every mountain and every island, you got the earth quaking. You got asteroids coming into our meteorites coming into our, our space. God has removed the heavens as we know them. And all of these things have begun to take place. Now, let me finish it up like this. Let's look at the man's response to this. Verse 15. Y'all give me five minutes, okay? All right, five minutes. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, um, hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And you would think that they're doing that because of the incoming meteorites. That's what you would expect. Notice what they say, verse 16. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, let's take inventory. Christians have been raptured. People now on the earth are starting to see the signs that are unfolding. And I believe that some of them are going to respond to those things and begin to come to faith. But it seems to me that the non-believers of the earth are no longer atheists. They all are recognizing that there's something happening. They say, hide us, notice in verse 16, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Well, where did he come up with this knowledge all of a sudden? We've been the only ones talking about he who sits on the throne. We're, the believers are the only ones that worship him who sits on the throne. Now they're talking about he who sits on the throne and the wrath of the lamb. When did the non-believing atheist world ever talk about the lamb? And now he's got a wrath that's coming. Notice they say in verse 17, for the great day of his wrath has come. In other words, as Paul says, God has revealed himself to them and they've been rebellious and not wanting to acknowledge it. But all of a sudden, they're acknowledging uh-oh, there is a God. He sits on the throne, and he's upset. And they're turning from him. Now, I don't know what to say. I don't know what they're seeing when they look up now. Somehow the heavens as we know them have moved away. Stuff is happening that has never happened on the face of the earth ever. And this is, this is the worst thing that the earth has seen since the flood and all of a sudden, they are realizing that they've rejected a real God. And it says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, I'm going to close with this. I think that today, the church is called to be like Noah in one sense. And I, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I have to, because this is the time we live in. That we're called to warn people of the judgment of the Lord that's coming but to tell them of the love of God that has already been uh, given to them through Jesus Christ. All right, so let's close. I forgot we need to do communion. So grab your communion elements.